Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent, who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you.
What a song. What a song. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Rory Sodder Show. I'm Rory Sodder, your host. It is great to be back with all of you. I have missed you all since yesterday. We had an amazing show yesterday. Everything you could want. Great guests. Perfect dialogue. Amazing rhythm. Unbelievable flow. We resonate so well. Never run out of things to talk about. I love it. I love it. And I'm so excited for the future of the Rory Sodder Show. We're becoming more and more evolved. We just keep growing every single day. And I'll tell you what, uh, the best is yet to come. As usual, I want to thank all my guests, my co-hosts, my sponsors and audience. You are all amazing. Um, the show is listened to in 25 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss any past clips, past episodes, or need 24-7 breaking news coverage, visit my media site, the next, N-E-X, Gen, G-E-N, USA, dot com. And uh, guys, oh my God, what a, what a day it's been. What a day it's been. Uh, another episode of the Rory Sauter Show. Another week. Time flies when you're having fun. I can't believe it. You know, it's, it's like a blink of an eye. I mean, I, I was just thinking the other day, you know, where, where does it go? I mean, you know, it seems just like yesterday I was a young little kid, and now I'm about to be 30 years old in the, in the next year. I mean, it's just like, wow, wow, wow. And I'll tell you, you know, the, the uh, politics in today's society is more important than ever before. You know, we're living in a time where we can't take anything for granted, and everybody's voice is very valuable and useful, and I think it should be strongly utilized. You know, we, we have all these different social media outlets that allow us to express ourselves and really allow the public and others to hear, uh, you know, our concerns. And, and uh, you know, you got to love how tech has transformed because 20 years ago, we didn't have this sort of luxury. We didn't have, you know, these, these, these situations or these sites or these platforms. So it's beautiful. It really is. And I'm loving every single second, you know, and, and I always say to all of you, you know, it's uh, beyond an honor to be able to be on the air with you, shine my light and, uh, you know, utilize this amazing movement. It's, it's really, really awesome stuff. Um, a lot coming up, though, a lot of big guests on tonight, a lot of big guests um, scheduled and booked for the next couple of weeks. Um, I, I can't wait to share all that with you. And, uh, yeah, uh, a lot to get into later in the show, too. I will be making various announcements. Uh, a lot of headlines today in the news, a lot, a lot of various stories, uh, probably a bu- busier show than yesterday. Yesterday was a pretty busy show. So, um, yeah, yeah, guys, so let's, let's introduce the, uh, the panel. I believe we have with us military ex- expert, and uh, he's running for Senate in Illinois, Chris Kaspersky. Welcome back to the show, my friend. How are you? I'm good, Rory. Thank you for having me back. Uh, I just want to say I, I skipped the Trump rally in Milwaukee tonight to be on the Rory Sauter show, so we better make this one a good one. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you, man. Yeah, I was watching most of it. I, I, th- I think I saw most of it because he was pretty much probably wrapping up when I came on air, but uh, always very impressive, always puts everything into perfect perspective and He's so great with the audience. You know, he speaks to us like we're human. He doesn't speak to us like a politician, and you got to love that. Yeah, he was really feeding off the crowd tonight, too. It is, I, I love it, man. It's like a rock concert. It's like the best sporting event, you know. It's, it's quite something. It really is. Yeah. But, Chris, thank you, for being, thank you for being with us. A lot to get into tonight. Glad you could join us. Yep, thank you. 
Absolutely. Uh, I also would like to welcome to the show, I believe he's with us, we have U.S. congressional candidate from Arizona, Josh Barnett. How are you, buddy? Hey, Roy. Thanks for having me again. Absolutely. A lot to get into tonight. Glad you could join us. Thank you, man. I'm, I'm standing uh, Oh, sorry, uh, sorry, got got disconnected for a second. What were you saying? I said I'm actually standing outside the Republican Party here in uh, Sun City, Arizona, right now for a Second Amendment Constitution Tuesday. I love it. I love it, man. You know, we need people like you in there uh, protecting our president in D.C. You know, you're you're the ultimate outsider. I mean, you are as patriotic uh, as it gets. And same with. Tim Faisenbaker, who, who I'm about to introduce, who's running for Congress in Maryland. We need, you, we need you guys in there. We need to, you know, get rid of the swamp and get rid of these politicians. I mean, Trump created this door and this outlet and this, this whole trend where all these outsiders are getting so much attention, and, and it's so appealing to all these American First voters because now they're realizing what they've been missing all along, you know? Oh yeah, there's no doubt about that. We um, we've got a handful of people out here in Arizona that are outsiders, come, you know, coming into the uh, government for the first time here. But they're they're great people, great patriots, come from a business background. Uh, they understand the people and what they want. Absolutely, 100. Um, percent th- Thank you so much for being here, Josh. Uh, always a pleasure. A lot to get into, though. Uh, glad you could join us. Thank you. Um, let's also introduce, I believe he's with us, we have U.S. Congressional Candidate from Maryland, Tim Faisenbaker. Tim, how are you? Welcome. I'm well. Happy Tuesday. And to follow up with you were just talking about, yes, we we need to get some Trump-style candidates in there to put in America first. And what I want to tell everybody listening is you have a role in this. So not only do you have guys that are running, guys and girls running for Congress that, that support the, the Trump the Trump uh, vision, but you you have people out there that have different talents. If you're a photographer, if you're great with social media, if you're an IT person, you can help. And we appreciate all the help that you guys do because this is our America, and we need everybody to do our part to actually put America on that right track and continue this vision that we're going on. So a lot of great topics this week that we, you know we can we'll we'll be going over. Thank you again for having me on and. Uh, I look forward to a great show. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you for being here. Uh, Definitely a lot to get into. All righty, everybody. As usual, I will go through various segments and uh, different headlines. I'll start with the small stuff first. Then we'll get into the big stuff. Um, And as usual, once I get a call on everybody on the panel, uh, feel free to share all your thoughts on on whatever whatever I discussed. Uh, whatever your opinions are, I'd love to hear it. it we always have a lot of uh, great, uh, great talking points when, when it comes to this stuff. So uh, really a cool thing. All right, uh, let's start with this. Okay, so here, here's something really bothering me, and, and, I, and I talk about this on my show all the time, uh, about what Catholicism has turned into. And I, I grew up Catholic, went to a Catholic grade school, went to a Catholic high school. You know, I, I know what it's about. These days, I'm more of a Christian, but I, if I'm going to go to church, you know, once a week, I'll go to Catholic church like I always have, um, but definitely a lot more spiritual, if that makes sense. But anyway, the Catholic church, you know, lately, it's really become 
um, this terrible epidemic uh, of, of constant problems. You know, we have uh, the priest situation, obviously. I mean, that's been going on for years, though. But the Pope, the Pope is a really, uh, you know, he, he's a really uh, bad plague. I mean, he's really causing so much chaos and so much harm around the world. You know, we've seen how he's been pro-abortion. We've seen how he's been pro-LGBTQ. And I'm not knocking at the LGBTQ community, but I mean, you know, you, you can't rewrite a religion. You know, if something is founded upon in Christianity, how it's against your lifestyle, you know, you, you just, it, I, I, and I don't want to get too off topic, but there's so many people, you know, trying to rewrite history. I mean, you know, it, it, I know a lot of gay people that are Christian. I mean, you know, it, it's, I guess this is a very complicated subject, but I guess it's how you look at it. I mean, if you want to go back and look at how it was originally founded, then yeah, I mean, and, and still, I mean, I, I would say that traditional marriage is what's promoted, um, you know, overall. I mean, with, with people that are are, are old school uh, traditional Catholics, I, I think that's a given. And I think, and I get the frustration with this pope, with all these various, you know, bishops, priests, um, you know, it goes on and on. But anyways, you know, I, I, what the main headline here is. Uh, a Texas bishop. So what happened is is you have all these governors, all these politicians that are pushing for refugee resettlement, getting all these illegals over here, you know, not putting the American workers first. And this is going on and on. And you have religion, you know, getting in the way of that. You have for you know, and this this is what really bothers me. For the longest time, we've had religion and politics stay separate for the most part. You know, for the longest time, you didn't have the pope talking about politics. You didn't have the, the bishops talking about politics. You didn't have them butting their nose in and being ignorant into stuff they don't have no clue about. But now, you know, they play this whole social justice warrior narrative and this whole, you know, this whole, this whole agenda of pushing this new world order. And, you know, Governor Greg Abbott, this is, this is the main headline here, Governor Greg Abbott cut back on refugees coming into Texas, and you have all these bishops, all these Catholic Catholicism organizers trying to yell about it, trying to scream about it, trying to say it's inhumane. How is it inhumane when somebody breaks the law? I am all for people coming in here legally, doing it the right way, waiting in line. How can it's like cutting somebody at Disneyland when you wait in, in you know in line for hours or you know any sort of situation? I mean, you're cutting somebody that's actually worked hard and put their blood, sweat, and tears into a situation. I mean, it, it, you know, and and I don't. I, I, People trying to bash Trump, trying to say that, you know, uh, you know, all these different things. You know, I get that, you know, there, there's, a, there, there's certain things that I, I think need to be revisited. Um, nothing, nothing to do with, with, the, with the whole um, gay marriage thing in the, in, the, in the church. But I think there's certain things that um, aren't looked at close enough. Um, and, I, and I think it's, that's why the, there's certain things that are causing so many problems with these liberal groups and, and this outrage. And um, it's just, it, it's become um, something off. I mean, it's off the wall. I mean, how, how can you tolerate as a voter and as somebody that belongs to a religion, someone totally going against the ethics and the morals and what that was founded upon, you know, abortion, gay marriage, um, 
you know, illegal immigrants just coming in as they freely please, um, you know, saying – trying, and then they get involved with global warming. They try to talk – the Pope tries to talk about global warming. I mean, dude, stay in your lane. It's the same sort of thing with you know, these people. It's like, Jesus, it's enough. You know, I want that's that's enough with this with this whole headline. But I just kind of wanted to throw that out there. Like, I mean, seriously, guys, enough. I mean, if if these states want to stop refugees from flowing in, more power to them. More power to them. I mean, we have too many, uh, you know, people that don't take the America First agenda seriously. And and I get I get it. You know, I get the with these businesses, and I get with these corporations and, and and owners that you know they want cheap labor you know they want that luxury and they want to capitalize on that and you know it is it's whatever it, it really it's just it's a long complicated situation um all right here we go um this is really bothering me and i, I was reading this headline today uh so vince vaughn uh is facing liberal outrage after he was seen with trump during the national championship game yesterday so vince vaughn you know, we've known this for a long time, and, and I know this, and most people know this. Vince Vaughn is a libertarian, leans conservative usually. He's pretty much voted Republican, I think, <laughs> as long as he's been an actor, as long as he's been in Hollywood. And, uh, you know, it, it, we've come to this sort of society and, and this, this terrible polarized, polarized, polarized system that, you know, we can't even properly have – you know differences anymore people can't think for themselves people i mean think about how ridiculous this is you have one uh, a list actor who who they're saying should be canceled they should ruin his livelihood they're saying he should not work in hollywood ever again because he sh- because he shook his hand and had a conversation with the president of the united states nobody ever said a goddamn thing when we have when we have all these people go interact with obama nobody no republican you know hated somebody for who they voted for you know, that, that's your right. That's your right as an American. That's the freedom. That's the luxury. You, you can speak and, and think for yourself. You know, don't let anybody tell you what you can and can't do. And, you know, it just goes to show where the mainstream media's priorities are. You know, their priorities are completely backwards. Their priorities are in the gutter. You know, we have all these big, big, major issues going on, and they, they, they're focused on Vince Vaughn having a conversation with the president. But, oh my God, you know, any, any liberal makes a comment about Trump and his family, crickets. Nobody bats an eye in the liberal media. And I've, all, all, I've always said, the mainstream media is 97% control. And you got that 3% of honesty that we get, but I mean, how is that fair? How is that beneficial so many people are brainwashed. So many people, you know, believe everything they read, and it's it's an issue. And I mean, come on, Hollywood. I mean, you guys try to say you guys are this welcoming, friendly, loving community, and you guys hate bigotry. You guys hate people that you know, you know, d- discriminate. But look at what you're doing. I can't even tell you how many actors tried to go on there. And Vince Vaughn's a really down to earth guy. I've seen him in conversations. I've I've heard from other people that he's so authentic and you know just a fun fun guy to be around. I love his movies. I love you know and, and think about how many actors in Hollywood are Republican. You have a- Adam Sandler who is a Republican. He's like mentioned it once or twice. He doesn't talk about it all the time, but he has mentioned it. You have Mel Gibson, um, Clint Eastwood, uh, James Woods. 
Sylvester Stallone, uh, Mark Wahlberg, Al Pacino. You know, Mark Wahlberg's mentioned like once or twice that he is. Uh, Sylvester Stallone talks about it all the time that he's a Trump supporter. Uh, you know, think about that. You have some of the biggest names, and these people want to use – the liberals want to do cancel culture, these liberal Hollywood you know, supposed elites. It's like, wow. It's like, wow. All because – and I couldn't believe – I thought this was like a parody. I thought I was reading The Onion or some you know, com- comedy, comedy you know, website. I thought it was satire, but no. CBS, NBC, CNN, every single one of them. Trump, Vince Vaughn, you, you know, uh, betrays the American people by interacting with the president of the United States. Wow. <laughs> Good, give me a break. Wow. Okay, um, let's go into this. So it was just announced that um, – and th- this is great. We're, we were talking many times on the show about uh, the VA – uh, the Virginia, Virginia, and their gun control uh, garbage that Re- Ralph Northam, blackface KKK member Ralph Northam, uh, is trying to pursue. Anyways, though, uh, the la- in the last, I, th- I believe it was in the last couple of days, this whole, um, it was like an event for, for um, the NRA. And you had, they, so, the, so Virginia was going to try to ban AR. Uh, 15s, and they were, they were going to go on this big gun confiscation spree. But then you had thousands of NRA members show up, and all of a sudden the Democrats are like, no, we're not going to do this. You do realize, politicians, what will happen if you go down this route with these people, with law-abiding citizens. It's going to just end badly. It's not a healthy uh, – you, know, you have all these people that don't trust the government. You, know, you have all these people that don't <laughs> – they don't – they, it's like I can't, I can't fathom or comprehend those certain people that trust these politicians so much that they want their guns taken away. That's the last bit of safety and defense we have left from these crazy criminals that are running around our streets committing these terrorist acts, you know, committing all these angry, major, big crimes, you know. These gun control laws, all they do is leave the good guy defenseless. That's the only thing that ever happens. And we've seen what the Democrats' mentality is, third world country mindset. They want to take your guns just like Hitler did before he killed millions of people. Stalin did the same thing. You got Venezuela dealing with the same sort of situation. Yeah, and this this is how it starts. Slowly but surely, they push their agenda, they push it upon us, and they get what they want. You know, and what really bothers me, and this is something that, you know, isn't talked about enough, and this has actually happened many times, with some of these spending bills, uh, I don't know if anybody realizes this, but sometimes they'll put their gun stuff in the bill that it's so small that everybody doesn't, most people don't read the whole thing, so they get, get it passed that way. There's so many sneaky ways, and even, even if they're, it's, it's like in these governors, and I keep saying on my show many times, anybody who has a Democrat governor right now, Become a sanctuary city for your gun so you can protect yourself if they try to take it. Don't let anybody – and these sheriffs are, are following protocol of, of you know, the Second Amendment. They're not going to listen to some of these governors, and I'm seeing a lot of this in Virginia, how they've responded. You know, um, the last thing anybody needs is, is all these crazy, bad, more bad things happening in the street. 
because I know millions and millions of people that will go down in a fight if you try to go to their door and try to confiscate their, their firearms. This is, this is not, you know, th- th- these are Americans. These are patriots. These are people that are hardcore and, and you know, know what, know what their rights and, and what the, the, the signature values and tradition of this country are. It's true, really true. Um, okay, this is really interesting. And, uh, you know, this is, this is why we protect our borders and why, uh, you know, we need to <clears throat> make this the very main priority, in my opinion. I mean, it's, it's top three, and it's still not controlled all the way, uh, but it's, it's getting there. It's getting there. There's a lot of slowing down and a lot of, um, uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, there's a lot of uh, decline in, in, in border crossings and illegals coming to this country. And it all, we have Trump to thank for that. But, you know, we still have a lot of work to do. And what's, what, what happened is Washington Post came out with a piece saying that Donald Trump, it's official that the Trump administration will transfer $7.2 billion for the border wall. Again, that's $7.2 billion with a B for the border wall. So we're getting all that money. And, we, and people always said, especially the left, especially the haters that don't like Trump, never like Trump. They can't stand him, and they want to see him fail every second. And they keep saying three years later, where's the wall? Where's the wall? Well, listen up, dickheads. Listen up, dipshits. Excuse my French. But I don't, I don't appreciate these condescending, pompous, you know, these conceited pricks that, you know, have, don't. And, and this is what it is. I've always said the left goes feelings over facts. They have no idea what facts even mean. Donald Trump has fulfilled 80% of his agenda within three years. Pretty much the only thing remaining that's big is the wall. And look it, magical, abracadabra, he just got it. $7.2 billion being relocated and switched around in the funds, that's more than enough to cover the wall. They can get the wall done for less than four. So boom, abracadabra, there you go. Trump wins again. This is amazing. This is the biggest accomplishment victory of his campaign, and he's had bigger ones than ever. I mean, this is this, but this is the biggest promise. But think about everything else he's done: biggest tax cuts in history, lowest black unemployment, lowest Asian unemployment, lowest Hispanic unemployment, lowest female unemployment, highest stock market ever. Um, companies coming here for the first time ever we've never seen. You have China winning the trade war with China. Uh, think about this. Eventually, USA is going, to be the, is going to be the new China. It's going to say made in the USA on everything. That's what we're getting to. This is where we are. How beautiful is this, guys? How beautiful is this? We have the border wall now official. It's official. And Trump's not going to let them you know, play with him. He's going to do this. You know, They may try to block it, and I don't think they'll succeed because Trump could always do an executive order. I mean, he could. He could do any, if they try to do anything, try to play funny games or any, any, any nonsense like that, yeah, you know. And, and you know, I, I, I keep asking the left, I keep asking Democrats, what did Barack Obama ever do for you guys except make you feel good? You know, he, he, he talked well, he could speak well, and that's how he brainwashed so many people and tricked so many people because he was clever with his speeches. But that's it. That's the only thing I'll ever give him credit for. The guy's a disgrace. The guy's a moron. The guy's not even really black either. I mean, he had a white mom raised in a white neighborhood, raised by a white grandma, didn't even really know his father, I don't think. And all these people want to say he's the first black president. That's the only reason they like him, the left. I don't get their mentality. I think they're kind of racist and ignorant with the way they do things and how they look at the world. And uh, it's, they're very lost. 
You know, it's uh, I call you know what I call him? I call him White Mama Obama. You know, it's it's you know we need. I wanted like a real first black president, like a Herman Cain. That's what I wanted, or like a Ben Carson. Even that, you know, Ben Carson has a little lower lower energy than I like. I mean, I like him, but I think a Herman Cain would have been a lot lot better. But yeah, it's just like Jesus. It's it's such a phone. Obama's so phony. All right, uh, let's see here. Okay, um, this is something interesting, and this just came out like today or yesterday. But Elizabeth Warren, Pocahontas whose popularity is strongly diminishing and she's losing support on a daily basis. And this woman uh, is probably nuttier, I think, than anybody in the race, obviously just as nutty as Bernie Sanders. But, uh, you know, she wants to say now, and this is what they're bitching at Trump for. This is what they're whining at Trump for and saying why he should be impeached uh, because, you know, with, with what he, with some of the things he's done. But they, they a Warren now, I mean, the biggest hypocrisy show on earth, she wants to bypass Congress if needed so she can wipe out all the student debt. Really? You want to live in fantasy land, fairy tale ideology? You want to live in frickin' – I mean, can you imagine – what does that cost, like 70 or $80 trillion? I don't know what the total cost is, but it's in the trillions. It's a high, high number, and all these entitled millennials, all these punks – who think they should be handed something, they should be deserved a damn trophy. Oh, yeah, this whole equality bullshit. Everybody thinks they can be Michael Jordan. Everybody thinks they work as hard as others. No, you don't. Everybody has their own talents. Everybody has their own qualifications. You don't, you don't just deserve a damn prize because you freaking feel bad or you want to cry. You know what? Thanks, Obama. You created these, these slobs. You created these animals. You created these, these, these pigs that think that, oh, my God, just because we cry, just because we scream, just because we you know, make demands, we're going to get our way. You're like a freaking bad parent. That's, that's what these Democrats are. They're like bad parents. You, you know, It's just like, wow, Jesus Christ, enough is enough. And Elizabeth Warren, are you out of your goddamn mind? You know how much debt this country's in? And you know, you Democrats are – you guys are something. You guys want to whine at Trump for the deficit. But you guys want to wipe out student loan debt and give Medicare for all. What would that do for the deficit? I'm, I'm really curious. I mean you, wow, when it doesn't apply to you, when you – it's just like, wow. I mean think about this, guys. Think about the insanity here. Think about that. Jesus. All righty. Let's see here. Okay. This is, um, this is quite something. Um. NBC, and, you know, they're pushing this whole chicks with dicks narrative. They're trying to enable the transgenders. You know, men can have periods, you know, all this crazy shit. Um, it, it, it really, I mean, you would, you would have saw this 10 years ago, and you would have been like, what the hell is going on? You would have been like, what? What? You have dudes going in the bathroom with little girls. You have... Articles being written on liberal rag mags saying that men can have periods too. You have the, the, this whole hundred different genders. You know, everybody can. You know, if they're not, if they're born, if they're born with a different body part, they can have another body part. I mean, wow, where have we, where have we gone? Men, think about the headline from NBC: Transgender men experience pain of of. Of periods too. <laughs> what? 
And you know what? Even liberals, I'm even looking at what liberals are saying and the reaction and the outpour, and they, they are getting tired of it. You have people that have been voting Democrat their entire life, and they don't even recognize how far left the, the party has gone with all this social justice warrior you know, nonsense. And, and you know what else is crazy? The LGBTQ community, they keep adding letters in words. And that's another thing, you know. They keep pushing that agenda, and then you got the sto- drag queen story hour. You know, you got the uh, drag queen trannies want to go get their get waxed and stuff. And remember that story in Canada where the guy got denied; they wouldn't wax him because he was a tranny, and then he tried to file a lawsuit. I mean, this is this is what you're doing. And then what about the porn star that was a tranny and she tried to go out? It was a here. I don't know what it was, but they they denied her, and then he he, he or she tried to say. Oh, this is discrimination. <laughs> wow. Um, okay. Um, here's something. Here's something interesting. So 47, and this is really baffling, and this really bothers me, and I get angry about this, but 47% of young Democrats prefer other countries over America. Well, if you prefer other countries and you want to keep bitching about what's wrong with this country and want to keep pissing on our flag and saying how racist and hateful America is, why don't you leave? Like, you guys have no morals. You guys have no ethics. You guys are hypocrites to the highest extent, you know, and you want to say everything, everything that, you know, I mean, come on. And you want to make the the, the statement, or you want to ask the question, when was America ever great? You want to ask that. You guys have the nerve to ask that, but you're still living in our country. You're still here every day causing chaos. You're marching through the streets, you smelly feminists, you angry social justice warriors, Black Lives Matter, all these people that, that you know, take us back. They take us back. They don't do anything good uh, for this country. Uh, the, these, and we got the, you know, the NWACP, you know, all these people, uh, you know, uh, the Southern Poverty Law Center. It goes on and on. And this is what contributes to these millennials thinking that they, they you know, should have a piece of everybody's wealth. And this is what – they think capitalism. They think you know, billionaires are the enemy of America. They think we're racist. You know, they want to have all these special privileges. And you know what? What really bothers me is when I hear, oh, we should get rid of billionaires. We should get rid of corporations. We should make them pay their fair share. Well, number one, they're, they're never going to pay their fair share if you try to try – to, punish them with that all they'll do and i talked about this on my show many times they'll create more offshore accounts they'll create they'll move i mean quite frankly they'll move they're not going to live here you're not jeff bezos is not going to pay two billion dollars elizabeth warren he's not going to he's not going to do that i'm sorry uh you're you're insane and uh you know other uh, what else i wanted to say is that they're billionaires are what stimulate the economy they are the people that hire millions of people if we didn't have billionaires we wouldn't be a powerhouse like we are I get it. You know, some of them are greedy and some of them don't, you know, do the proper right thing for their employees, but that's their choice. They built that themselves. They, they, they utilize and, and, and capitalize on the American dream, you know, and, and you can't tell anybody what to do with their money. I mean, give me a break. Give me a break. Okay. Um, this, this is, you know, this, this is, um, this is something really big is that, you know, you you keep seeing, all these constant Muslim, Iranian, radical Islam crimes, and, and it never really ends. You know, we'll talk about this whole Iran thing here in a second. But, you know, you have people in Canada, you know, just scumbags like Justin Trudeau trying to say that 
we're responsible for the plane being shot down. We're responsible. No accountability. This guy blames everybody else. He's just like every other liberal. And to, to, to be honest with everybody, it was Iran's fault. It was nobody else's fault. Iran was the one being reckless. They were the ones being radical. They were the ones that started the fight. They were the ones that wanted to, to blow up the USA. They were the ones that were talking all this craziness. It wasn't anybody else, Canada. And you know what? Uh, Iran took responsibility for it. They apologized. And I don't think it's a sincere apology. You know, they just want to cover their ass. And uh, apparently they made arrests today on various people in Iran for shooting down the plane. You know, and I, I think that's – I don't really – I'm not going to buy too much into that because I think that's really just a, you know, just to make themselves kind of look like you know, <laughs> more innocent than they really are. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, come on. Come on, Trudeau. I mean, Trump – you know, you, you like to say Trump's a good guy, and, and I've heard you say that in interviews before. And uh, you, you're two-faced, like Trump would say. You know, you, you say you want to work with the USA. You say you want to be fair. You say you want to do things – the, the proper way, but all you do is, is avoid responsibility. It's the same sort of thing with your uh, blackface scandal. You, you never said you're sorry truly. It was never authentic. It was never from the heart. It was always, you know, me, 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 me. That's what it was. It's, yeah, it, it's sad. And, you know, Iran really screwed themselves, and they've really turned into a situation uh, of des- desperation, you know they they are dealing with the same sort of scenario that Kim Jong Un <clears throat> went through. You know we saw Kim Jong Un making all these threats to President Trump for the longest time. President Trump got you know wasn't taking it. President Trump showed there's a new sheriff in town, and uh, Kim Jong Un had no choice but to come to the table. Next thing we know, they're sitting down laughing, they're having fun, they're getting along, and don't forget. Barack Hussein, white mama, Obama, uh, said when he, when he left office that Kim Jong-un was the biggest threat. And now Iran has stood down. They say that they're not, they're not going to do anything else, and they say their only option is negotiation. And who's the best negotiator in the entire world? Donald J. Trump, the art of the deal. So you look at, you look at what's going on. I really see something magical happening. And you see all these people in Iran thanking us for killing Soleimani. And they had the option to step on our flag, but they held it with love. And uh, we saw Trump talk about that the other day. It, it, people are coming around, you know, and uh, they even said and, – and how, how the media tries to normalize and humanize and try to say he's a good leader, Soleimani, when he made Harvey Weinstein look like a saint, according to these citizens in Iran. I mean it's disgraceful how the media – will do anything to go against Trump. They'll, they'll make anything good he does make his, look as bad as possible. We live in a very, very uh, sad time with, with, our, with our media. Okay. Um, yeah, and this border thing, you know, we have Ira- – and this, this was just announced. You know, we had an Iranian trespass into our country recently, and he was arrested near Mar-a-Lago with a machete. Yes, guys, we have illegals, radical Islam terrorists, trying to go to our president's country club with weapons. This is why we protect our border. This is why Iran and these countries aren't the religion of peace. They don't come with love. They don't come with sincerity. It's a, it, I mean, this is something that you know, it, it, it can't be taken lightly at all. You know, you, we have to – and look at all the sanctions Trump's put on Iran. I mean they're really hurting. They're really going through a bad, bad, bad time. That's for sure. 
And, uh, you know, we're seeing how, you know, it, it's, it's becoming a thing where Trump's, you know, he's in charge. I mean, he's on offense with all these people, every one of them. Every, any, anybody that's ever tried to attack him, anybody that's ever tried to come at him, it ends up backfiring because all he does is he wins and he throws it back in their face a hundred times harder. It's true. It is true, guys. Okay. Uh, let's see. Okay, let's go to let's go to Chris Kaspersky. Chris, your thoughts on the various topics I, I just mentioned. Oh man, it's uh it's been kind of a, a crazy week, hasn't it? I mean we have um, you know, the um Nancy Pelosi too also you know, so that she's going to send over the articles of impeachment over. So, you know, that's one thing yep. that we didn't even get to. But, uh, boy, there's a, there's a whole lot there. I do actually want to just bring up one quick little aside. Today I actually got to have uh, breakfast with Clint Lawrence, who is uh, one of the three service members that President Trump recently pardoned. And let me tell you, that guy was awesome. He was like, just this all-American guy who got in, you know, really bad situation over there. In fact, I had almost the exact same scenario happen to me when I was in Afghanistan, um, and yet he had to spend six years in Leavenworth because of President Obama, um, and it was because of President Trump and and you know the the work that they're doing over there that these these men were able to come home to their families. So, you know, I thought that that was you know such a great you know start to my day. And then, uh, you know, getting to listen to Rory Sauter, you know, rifle off all of the uh, bad things that are going on with our uh, our Democratic colleagues on the other aisle. Um, you know, it's been fun fun to listen to you, buddy. Thank, thank you, my friend. You're absolutely right. I'm I'm very happy about the, you know, bringing the troops home from Iraq. You know, and we've all we've always seen how Trump is an anti-war president. He wants peace. He wants stability. There's been many times where he could have gone to war with all the instigating from all these foreign entities, but you know what? He bit his tongue, and uh, he, you know, it's it's really a, it's a good thing. And, and we we want these people home with their families. We don't want them, you know, fighting in, in endless endless wars. It's, it's so not worth it. And you've been over there firsthand. You know you know what the the tragedies and and the the the, the sad uh, scenario that that that's you know around you. Yeah, the the weird part for me now is my younger brother is serving in the Air Force, and he actually just got married a few weeks ago to another airman, and she's deployed right now to Qatar, which is, you know, bordering Iran over there, and so we've been on edge, you know, the last few weeks because of all of this stuff, and to watch how President Trump handled that whole situation, I thought, was, uh, you know, perfectly played. I mean, we took out one of the nastiest human beings on the planet, um, you know, just weeks after we took out another one of the nastiest human beings on the planet. Um, you know, I mean, President Trump has just been, you know, he's been knocking it out of the park left and right. So, I mean, we're, we're pretty excited that tensions have cooled down. And, um, you know, I'm pretty sure that my sister-in-law will be able to come home sooner than we thought now. So that, that's definitely a good thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. And, you know, I, I want to see, I, I want to ask your, you know, you, you know, firsthand over there, what, what are your thoughts on, on the future of the Middle East? Like, what do you, what do you think, 
is going to transpire? How do you see it all playing out? You know, what better way to, you know, ask, you know, it's the best way to ask somebody who's actually lived it, you know? Yeah, it's, it's such a, uh, uh, an, a, an onion, really. I mean, there are so many layers to it all. There are, you know, various uh, uh, tribes out there, you know, you're talking about the Sunnis and, and Shia and, you know, um, and it, even in Afghanistan where I was, I mean, you're talking about um, total tribal people that have no conception of a national state government at all. They just believe that they live here in this village and that's, that's their life. And, um, you know, trying to um, press upon them a centralized, government is uh you know they they just don't really want it it's it's actually kind of interesting because that's kind of the way our our nation was founded you know we had this huge central government pressing down on us and we we resisted you know we said that we wanted to do things on on our own and uh you know i I can i can kind of uh at least relate in that that sense with those people that you know they just want to be left alone and unfortunately they're kind of caught in the, the crossroads of, uh, you know, what, what have, has been termed of, uh, you know, millennia of, of um, armies just going there and, and, you know, being laid to waste throughout Afghanistan and the Middle East. And, um, you know, I don't think it's any, anything that's going to be resolved anytime soon. You know, it's always going to be a mess over there. Um, and you're talking about, uh, nations too that ha- don't have as many resources or things to draw upon. I mean, Afghanistan's one of the world's poorest nations. Um, you know, I mean, there's just there's not a lot of hope with those people. So, just be glad that we're Americans, man. Right, absolutely, amen. And you know, God God bless patriots like you and your service. And you know, for people that don't know, um, you know, you were over there in charge of UADs. I mean, you 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 saw some of the most you know, uh, some of the most intense things on earth. I mean, you're, you're dealing with some of the most powerful weapons and, you know, how, how much do you think it's changed over there since you were there? Do you think it's pretty much almost the same as it was? I mean, in terms of the surroundings and the environment and, you know, the damage. I think it's, uh, yeah, I think it's almost exactly the same. I was talking with Clint Lawrence who was there two years after I was there and we were swapping stories. Both of us were in Kandahar and, you know, walking around the same villages. And so, I mean, him two years after I was there and talking to people even after he was there, you know, it's, it's all the same. Um, and it's, it's really a shame because, you know, we've, we put in almost two decades worth of work over there and you don't really have a whole lot to show for it. Um, and so it's, it's kind of disheartening as a, as an Afghanistan vet looking back at it and going, okay, well, where do we have to show for this? So I mean I'm I'm hopeful that President Trump is able to work out an agreement where they, you know, the Taliban will um, have to you know sort of coexist in Afghanistan. Um, I mean there's there's just no way that we're going to play whack-a-mole and kill every last one of them. So you know we've got to find other diplomatic ways of of accomplishing our missions too. So absolutely very very well said and i was going to ask you this because trump keeps talking about this and you know it got me really curious because i know you know we've been wanting to do this for a while and and i want to get your insight on this but taking the oil i mean do you do you how do you view that how do, how do you 
see that playing out? Do you, um, do you think that will come to a reality? Do you actually think we will um, um, go forth with that? Uh, obviously, you know, uh, it, it's, it's been a, it's been a, con, you know, a, a big, big uh, topic for a long time. Yeah. I think that president Trump is really good at pushing the right buttons when he needs to. Um, frankly, I mean, he's opened up so much of our own offshore drilling and everything that we've become oil independent, which is amazing. Um, we don't have to rely on all those other people. My, my original philosophy was that, uh, or thought was that uh, the United States was just using up everybody else's oil until the time came and we had our reserves still left. And, uh, then everybody's going to be holding out their hand to us and we'd be moving on to other other uh, forms of, of energy production. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's really kind of crazy to think that these, uh, these people just, you know, they, they think that they can just jack up oil prices and then, you know, think that America can't do anything about it. Well, you know, sorry, we've got the, a different guy in the white house now and he can. So. Right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Chris, stay with us. And also, Chris, where can people get involved with your campaign at? Oh, yeah. Um, you guys can find me on Facebook. It's uh, Chris for Illinois uh, Senate 31. Um, my, my website is ChrisForSenate.com. And uh, thank you so much for everybody listening. Absolutely. Chris, stay with us if you can. I love having you on the show. A lot more to get into tonight. Thanks, brother. All righty. Um, let's go to uh, U.S. congressional candidate in Maryland, Tim Faisenbaker. Go ahead, buddy. Hey, Rory, uh, I, I want to definitely play on the the whole Iranian thing going on. I, I just want people to realize what the left has done. I mean you had Soleimani killed, and they support this guy because he's the anti-American person. He's the anti-Trump. And then they have the riots going on and, and the people wanting their freedom in Iran, and what happens? The left doesn't talk about it. They shut it down. It's a, it's a non-story. But this is what America has always been about. You, we, we, we push that freedom for people, and the people, when they rise up to have that freedom, the same as the birth of our own nation, you know, we're supposed to be there for them, but the media here on the left doesn't want to admit it because they don't believe in freedom. So it's and it goes to this, the same thing about with illegal immigration. You have you have this Iranian coming in at Mar-a-Lago. They're coming across the border. It's breaking our laws, our freedom. And what what's the end game? You have a country like Iran, where women don't have rights, gays don't have rights. Uh, you don't have religious freedom, yet they support a country like that and not a country like America. But look at Iran back in the 1970s and the 60s. They were free. They were you know, more westernized, so their women were, had the abilities and the freedoms in a sense that the western world has now. But they prefer a, a theocratic government, a, a complete tyrannical type government over what we have here. It's completely wrong, but that is part of the reason why – I don't remember that number, but maybe 40-some percent of uh, millennials think they, they prefer to live in a different country than here. It's this indoctrination. 
and we don't get the real news on a lot of these uh, new, like mainstream media things. We have shows like the Rory Sarter program, which is great because we get to express these these things that are actually going on in, in real conversation. So when you have this media that just keeps bashing President Trump and keeps bashing America and, and promoting these tyrannical governments, this is kind of what happens. So uh, another topic you brought up, which somewhat ties into this, is the whole transsexual, trans community thing about <laughs> men ex- experiencing the pain. Well, I saw just the other day uh, a tweet going around about not to call your dog a good boy or a good girl because there's transsexual dogs and animals. And it's like, come on, people. They're doing it for shock value, but they're doing it because it's ultimately about bringing down America, breaking down our values, breaking down our morality, and, and, and normalizing the not normal is the way that you overthrow this, this country from within. So it's, we laugh at these things, but we always know that eventually these will be pushed mainstream. They, that's, what, that's the whole plan of what, what they're doing. So it's crazy. Uh, I do want to get into Elizabeth Warren, who I think might be the only minority left on the Democrat side. Uh, but uh, besides that, yeah, she's she's pushing for no student debt and and all this, and and you're right about you know kind of like being a bad parent. You know, it's we're gonna give you everything for free. We want to be your friend, but then what happens when those kids grow up? When you raise someone like that, they aren't usually as productive as as citizens. So that's what government does. They promise these things, and then these people grow up and they aren't as productive of citizens. So Elizabeth Warren. Once you get rid of student debt, it's it's pandering. Most we, we everybody knows we can't do it. Even most of the left knows that it's not really plausible. I will say this: a lot of the student debt, and I took on a little bit when I was in college, but I was able to pay off, and I took the proper amounts. I didn't take an egregious amount, but the student debt system is set up that you can't file bankruptcy, yet they will charge you interest. From what I I've studied. Now that's a little off. So if they want to come to some kind of a compromise where since since you can't file bankruptcy on these student loans, you know, maybe you, you don't have that interest as part of it. That maybe that's maybe that's something we can discuss. But to wipe out entire student debt for people who weren't responsible, it's not it's not responsible for the people that have been responsible and it's not fair. So this is another example that when government gets involved, they destroy everything. So you used to be able to go get a loan and you get it through a bank or whatever, and, and, and that was a one-on-one responsibility. But when government gets in, the institutions start jacking up their rates because they know they can get that money from Uncle Sam. And I see it in, in different fields all over the place. When the government's paying, you know what you can get. So we got to get government out of things like with like with higher education, because as we see, they get in and they get into things like that. They become indoctrinated, and then they hate America and they push for countries like Iran over America. So it's it's definitely a sham. Uh, but the wall is coming, and it's been coming slowly, but it's coming. And no matter what anyone thinks, whether it's it's going to be successful or not in its main purpose, which it will be, it's symbolic. 
And that wall going up means that we are here and we're taking back what is ours, our land, our country, and stopping this far left-wing approach of no, bo- of no uh, borders for our nation and to let every third world nation come in here and basically take all our resources, taking them away from our children, and just dissipating our, our, our resources across the world. Thank you for President Trump. It was one of the things I said I would, I would grade him on. It, it was, was this wall. He, he campaigned on that, and he has been a president that has stuck by what he said. And, and that is a great, great uh, achievement that he has going on. The other thing, uh, he, he's been deporting uh, the illegals, and he's been pushing them further back into Mexico. You know, so it, that means that it, it's harder for these people to come back across our border. That is awesome because a lot of the times, like when Obama was president, their their you know regime would just push them, you know, a half a mile over the border and then you just walk right back. Here we're dropping them off 150 miles deep into another country. Not so easy to come back. And so we, we need to do everything here to make sure we are keeping our borders safe and we don't have people like the person at Mar-a-Lago that was up to no good. Virginia gun control. Uh, you know, I've been saying this is going to be a powder keg if this goes off the way that it could, and I hope it doesn't. But we're, the right is learning what the left had done with these sanctuary counties, and now we're going to have our sanctuary counties, and we're going to stand up. And this is a boiling point that if, if the left in Virginia pushes this more and more, they're about to see what Virginia and America is really about. I'm in Maryland, right just north of Virginia. I know it very well, and the people in Virginia are awesome people. The northern part of Virginia is that D.C. suburb, and they've been coming in there more and more as government grows and pushing their ways on, on these just everyday Americans. But they will stand up for their individual freedoms, their God-given rights, and it's going to be a mess if this goes forward and they try to confiscate guns and, and do all the things they want there. Uh, I, I pray that it doesn't go that far, but sometimes we have to say enough is enough. Vince Vaughn, I've always loved as an actor, and uh, I was surprised to see him talking to President Trump, and I knew he was a libertarian. And it doesn't matter what his po- political affiliation is. Um, he's a great guy, but he's got the choice to associate with anybody he wants, and if you don't like it, um, you don't have to uh, patronize his movies or anything along those lines, but that's what being America is. You know, I there's many people like Robert De Niro. Uh, we know that he's a far left, evil type person right now, but he was a great actor, and I loved his movies. You know, Godfather Two and things like that. Uh, but I decided I'm not going to really participate in any of his movies. But I don't go out and bash the person because of his beliefs. He has that right. Vince Vaughn does as well, and uh, I will support Vince Vaughn and anybody for their political decisions, whether I like him or not. But Vince Vaughn has always been one of my favorites. I love old school, all those movies, Dodgeball. So plugs to to uh, you know to one of the great actors, Vince Vaughn. Uh, lastly, um, you talked about the Pope to, to begin and how you have some of these people that are. Uh, in the cloth that that push their their political narratives, and we've seen here in, in, in Texas, they said nope, no more refugees. And you have people 
you know, hiding behind the cloth that say we need to do this and we need to do that. Well, we see the same thing with Pope where they have a wall around the Vatican, and yet they tell us we can have a wall at our own border. It's hypocritical, and that is what gives religion a bad name to many people. It's the hypocrisy. You know, do as I say, not as I do. So here in Maryland, we are taking these refugees, unfortunately, and we don't want those. But Texas has always been a different breed, and they are hardcore America. And that is what that is what a lot of these states need to do is step up and say, no, the people of my state come first. The people of this country come first. And if you're going to take refugees, put them somewhere else. And I'm going to end with this, this side note. Uh, there's a, a good friend of mine who's actually running uh, against me in the primary here. In and uh, he and I are good friends, but his wife just became a legal citizen of the United States of America. And it, it was it, – it's a proud moment for her and the family and myself as well. And you know, we may be competitors in a sense in, in this, this congressional race, but we're all Americans. And – we believe in, in what that means, and, and I, I am proud that you know, she is now an American, and that is one person that went through the system, and she deserves the respect that she, that she earned by going through the natural process to do this. It's not fair to push her aside to placate an illegal that comes here and skirted the system. So uh, thank you to her for becoming an American, and, and, and welcome to our family. And as always, great topics tonight. I look forward to uh, to the rest of the show. Absolutely, absolutely, Tim. Very well said. Uh, thank you so much. And yeah, you're you're always always amazing, amazing talking points. And yeah, man. I mean, it, it's it's like never seen before. And you know, like how the media, you know, doesn't make a headline out of De Niro bashing Trump, but Vince Vaughn has a conversation with him, and all of a sudden it's on every single channel headline news. I mean, it's insane. It is, and you can't, you can't fault the guy for his own beliefs, and you know, we don't even know right. if he supports President Trump. He's a libertarian. He probably does, but it doesn't matter what his beliefs are. He keeps it out right. of you know, his, his career for the most part. Which I like. I don't want to go to see a movie about politics, you know, but with someone pushing their politics. So, you know, give the guy yeah. a break. Yeah, you know. Thanks. <laughs> I agree. I agree. No, very well said. Uh, absolutely. Uh, thank you so much, Tim. Uh, everybody, we're gonna take a quick commercial, real quick. Uh, still a lot to get into tonight. We've got a lot of great guests coming on. This is the Rory Sider Show. Stay with us. TGI Friday's famous sizzling entrees that you know and love like chicken, shrimp, and cheese just got even hotter. With new delicious tastes like whiskey, flat iron steak, and the tastiest sizzling street foods. Hurry in. Now starting at only $10. We bring the sizzle like no other. New sizzling entrees starting at $10. TGI Friday's, the home of endless apps. Endless apps every night, 9 p.m. to close. 
she's still the one for you. And Cialis for daily use helps you be ready anytime the moment is right. Cialis is also the only daily ED tablet approved to treat symptoms of BPH, like needing to go frequently. Tell your doctor about all your medical conditions and medicines and ask if your heart is healthy enough for sex. Do not take Cialis if you take nitrates for chest pain as it may cause an unsafe drop in blood pressure. Do not drink alcohol in excess. Side effects may include headache, upset stomach, delayed backache, or muscle ache. To avoid long-term injury, get medical help right away for an erection lasting more than four hours. If you have any sudden decrease or loss in hearing or vision or any allergic reactions like rash, hives, swelling of the lips, tongue, or throat, or difficulty breathing or swallowing, stop taking Cialis and get medical help right away. Ask your doctor about Cialis for daily use and a free 30-tablet trial. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from The Rory Sodder Show. Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? Do you have an app idea? Do you want to save money? Well, I got great news for you. My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else. And all of our work is the same amount of professionalism you'd see from any other company. Uh, please visit our website, GetYourAppBuilt.com, for your free consultation and contact us today. Thank you. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from The Rory Sodder Show. Please visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com for all your authentic, customized, and creative President Trump apparel and merchandise. You won't find products like this anywhere else. And best part of all, it's made here right in the USA. Use Mega45 at checkout for 30% off your first purchase. Again, visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com today for a wide variety of great selections. Thank you. Packaging. I'm Ray, and I quit smoking with Chantix. I tried cold turkey. I tried the patch. They didn't work for me. I didn't think anything was going to work for me until I tried Chantix. Chantix, along with support, helps you quit smoking. Chantix reduced my urge to smoke. I needed that to quit. When you try to quit smoking, with or without Chantix, you may have nicotine withdrawal symptoms. Some people had changes in behavior or thinking, aggression, hostility, agitation, depressed mood, or suicidal thoughts or actions with Chantix. Serious side effects may include seizures, new or worse heart or blood vessel problems, sleepwalking, or allergic and skin reactions, which can be life-threatening. Stop Chantix and get help right away if you have any of these. Tell your health care provider if you've had depression or other mental health problems. Decrease alcohol use while taking Chantix. Use caution when driving or operating machinery. The most common side effect is nausea. I can't tell you how good it feels to have smoke behind me. Talk to your doctor about Chantix. And we are back. The Rory Sodder Show, coast to coast, worldwide. Listen to it 25 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. Everybody, it's a beautiful night. A lot of guests coming on tonight. I do want to introduce, and, and I apologize to everybody. We're running just a little bit late, um, a little bit of a delay. Um, but stay with us. Bear with me. I promise. I'm very sorry. Uh, I do want to welcome to the show, though I believe he's with us. We have federal prosecutor and political columnist Joseph Marino. You've probably seen him, seen him on Fox News, various outlets. He's been on a lot of different channels. Joseph, how are you, buddy? Welcome to the show. Hi, Rory. Thanks so much for having me on tonight. Absolutely, my friend. So your first time on the show, tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of how it all started for you, how you got to where you are. Quite the impressive resume, my friend. Oh, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. So you know, I'm, a, I'm a lawyer originally from New York, been in Northern Virginia for about a decade now. I moved down here when I joined the Justice Department. I'm back in the private sector the past few years. 
And uh, you know, one of my biggest accomplishments was right before 9-11, I joined the Army. I have just been out of law school. I wanted to get that military experience, having really no idea what it was going to mean to me. Um, and, of course, after 9-11, I had, I had three tours, one in Germany, one in Iraq, one in Africa. And it really uh, kind of sent my whole life in a different direction that I never would have anticipated. I love public service. I love the fact that I've served. And uh, I really enjoy now trying to bring some, uh, some wisdom, some life experience back to politics and back to the debate on all kinds of things, national security, the law, law enforcement, uh, foreign affairs, that sort of stuff. So uh, I love being in the game, and I love smart programs like yours, you know, where we can have some smart discussions. I love it. I love it. And first of all, thank you for your service. You know, you guys, I always say this, you guys are the real heroes. It's, it's not somebody with a basketball jersey on. It's not, a, it's not a musician in Hollywood. It's not an actor. It's the people in uniform that put their blood, sweat, and tears out there for our country and sacrifice their lives. It's really a beautiful thing. So thank you for that. Um, and I also, I also want to say, wow, man, you've lived, and I, and I read, I read up, you know, just some of the things you've, you've achieved and accomplished and, um, it's, yeah, like I said, it's quite something you, you worked with the FBI, you've been a federal prosecutor. Tell us about your time as a federal prosecutor. That's, that's huge. Sure. So, um, I w- I'd already served overseas in the military at that point in my life, and so when I was looking to, to, get, to be a federal prosecutor, you can go become a, an assistant U.S. attorney, which are the federal prosecutors in various states throughout the country, and they, they'll prosecute anything from gun cases, drug cases, illegal reentry, anything like that. The other path is to go to Washington, D.C. and to specialize in something. And so I specialized in national security law and specifically in counterterrorism. So all the cases that I worked on after I moved here to Washington and joined the Justice Department all had some kind of counterterrorism angle to them. Either it was individuals trying to smuggle cash to terrorist groups or it was active terrorist plots to attack Americans either here or overseas. So it was really, really a fascinating way to use the legal experience I'd gained in the Army and serving overseas back here in the U.S. So it was a great opportunity. I learned from some fantastic federal prosecutors in Washington and in Northern Virginia. Uh, And it was really a a great way to kind of take that military legal experience and fold it into my civilian career. I love it. I love it. So what what are some of the crazy – I'm sure you've seen every single case known to mankind. What are some of the crazier ones? Well, I mean, the the case that was the, probably that had the most notoriety when I was with the department and that I worked on was the the DC yeah. Metro bomber case. And so this was back in 2010 and 2011, uh, and the subject was Farouk Ahmed, and he was an individual who had just you know he had gotten it into his head that he wanted to hurt Americans, uh, and so he had. He had, you know, he had spoken with individuals that he was under the impression were operatives from Al Qaeda, and he agreed to plant explosive devices along the D.C. metro path in various locations, various metro stops, and designed right around rush hour to kind of maximize the the damage to civilians going or coming from work. So it was really a pretty insidious plot. And through some great work by the FBI and from other law enforcement agencies, we were able to, to intercept that. To basically, he thought he was speaking with Al Qaeda operatives. In fact, he was speaking with informants. Um, and it turns out that we stopped someone who really was dedicating himself toward a life of violence. 
And so he's in, he's in federal prison now for 23 years as a result of our prosecution. And um, again, it was just smart people who kind of you know, looked and listened, didn't like what they were hearing from individuals that were kind of you know, talking about hurting Americans and actually did something about it. So it was really a success story from beginning to end. He was taken down, no loss of life, thank goodness, um, and justice prevailed. So it was the, exactly that kind of case. That really made me, you know, feel like I was fighting the good fight, you know, really trying to protect Americans, um, you know, first in the army overseas, but then here in the United States, where there unfortunately are people out there who want to do us harm. And so it was good being part of that fight. Yeah, and and you know, you yeah, that was a crazy one, and and you know, it's it, it's I mean, it must be just mind blowing some of the the things you run into as a prosecutor and and I know you worked for the FBI and what you were affiliated with them you did you did some stuff speak on that a little bit sure so i was part of a uh, commission that formed in 2014 by congress and so basically you know after the 911 attacks the FBI really had to step up uh, and keep in mind that the FBI has basically two roles, right? It has the traditional law enforcement role. So all the stuff that we think of as federal crimes that the FBI investigates, right? Kidnappings, bank robberies, drugs, guns, any kinds of federal crimes. But then it has a second role, and that's basically that the FBI is our premier counterintelligence agency. They're designed to basically look for people that are spying on America or people that would otherwise engage in patterns of attacks or to conduct other kinds of harm, whether it's terrorism, cyber terrorism, and that sort of thing. Lots of other countries split up those functions between two different agencies. But here in the U.S., the FBI does both. Sometimes it does them really well. Other times it has a, it has a difficulty kind of balancing those two missions. So the purpose of our task force, our commission in 2014, was to say, okay, it's been a little more than 10 years now after the 9-11 attacks. How has the FBI done? How has the FBI performed in terms of preventing the next major attack, in sleuthing out potential future attacks and attackers, individuals that have become radicalized through whether it's different kinds of ideologies or you know, far left or far right politics or whatever it is that will kind of trigger people to kind of going, into, going down violent paths. How has the FBI either responded to attacks that have happened, like the Boston Marathon bombing, or in the case like the one we had, how have they prevented potential attacks? And so overall, we came up with some pretty good suggestions for how the FBI could adapt to changing techniques and changing technologies. And we assessed that overall the FBI has done a really great job. There's always room for improvement, certainly. Um, and granted, this was several years before all the FISA issues that we've learned of this past year. But at the time, overall, we found like the FBI had done a pretty darn good job, but there's always room for improvement. Very well said. And, and, and Joseph, I was going to ask you, so how – and you, you just kind of – you said at the end what I was just about to bring up. How, how do you analyze and how do you kind of make the assessment on the, the current uh, stance of the FBI uh, after everything we've we've heard and and you know I, I I see that they've done certain good things throughout the years, um, but I th I think I think what's coming out more and more is just some 
some crazy revelations that we didn't even know what you know the, the stuff they were up to it in, in other ways. I mean, there, you know, we see various things with with the Comey thing, with the McCabe, with Brennan. I mean, it just goes on and on, and how they were out to get Trump, and the fix was in. And you know, I I think there were some issues kind of with the Vegas shooting, maybe some with nine eleven. You know, I, I know that they. I, I, you know, I see. I just read certain things, and I see certain things, and um, it, it's it scares me that some of these high ups can get away with with so much, uh, unlike the everyday citizen. If that makes sense, and just what we've heard, and just what we've found out, I'm sure it blows your mind, right? Well, it does make sense, Rory, and I, you, you make some great points. I mean, for, you're right. First off, the, the the commission that I worked on in 2014 was before a lot of these issues in 2016 and going forward. And even though the FBI is a fantastic organization with some fantastic men and women, it's hard to deny they have taken some lumps in the last few years, several of which were pretty well-deserved. And so I, I think individuals like Jim Comey, Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, Andrew McCabe, they've all made decisions that did not reflect well. And maybe it was through hubris, right? Maybe it was to your point about higher-ups that felt there was a different set of rules for them than for the rest of us. So when you see the series of bad decisions that have led to these people either being fired or disciplined or some other kinds of action taken because either they leaked to the press or they made decisions that for the rest of us would probably land us in jail, but they seem to get a pass on it. Hard to deny that there have been some questionable individuals in high places at the FBI that have made some pretty bad decisions. It's a shame because there's thousands of fantastic agents and analysts that work in that bureau. But whenever we give we give a lot of power and a lot of authority to the FBI, probably more than any other agency in our government, but we expect a lot from them. And unfortunately, they're just people, they're just human beings, and sometimes they fall short. So I think while we're right to trust the Bureau in terms of giving them the kinds of powers that we want to keep us safe, they also have to be held accountable. And I think we've learned in these past few years, even these past few months, with some of the things that we've learned, that perhaps we have to keep a closer eye on some of the individuals at the FBI. Very, very well said, and, and you're absolutely on point and right on par. And you know, I, I wanted to ask you, you know, how, 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 what do you make of, you know, the whole double standard? You know, how people like Peter Stork and Lisa Page and Andrew McCabe, as it looks now, they're going to walk. They're going to get away with whatever they got away with. And you know, if it were other, uh, if it were a Republican or anybody like that. I think we would hell. I think we would have hell to pay, and uh, I think it would be. I think they would crucify us at every turn. But I'll tell you, these special privileges for these leftist elitists and the high ups. It's it, it's it's terrifying to think about. You know, I, I think there's a, I think there's a lot of well deserved anger um, with people, and, and I think that you know. Look at look at the case of Hillary Clinton. I mean, she obviously was not part of the FBI, yep. but the fact that yep. she conducted herself as Secretary of State in a way that any first lieutenant or any junior special agent in any law enforcement field, any police officer for that matter, if any of us were to mishandle classified information in such a – whether it was criminal or not, definitely tremendously sloppy, um, we all would have gotten fired possibly prosecuted. 
And then and so I think when when Americans, when good hardworking, law abiding Americans see the Hillary Clintons and the James Comeys and, um, and the Andrew McCabe's basically get a slap on the wrist or sometimes no punishment at all, but no criminal prosecution, I think people are right to be pretty frustrated because the little guy no doubt would lose his or her job. But the big guys at the top seem to somehow skate by, move on to the next thing, get rich, and seemingly never have any consequences. And you're right. It always does kind of seem like Democrats that get away with it, whereas us Republicans, not so much. Yeah, and we look at the way they treated Paul Manafort. We see the way they treated you know, people like um, George Stephanopoulos. We see the way they treated Carter Page. I mean, and none of what they went after him for had to do with anything with the Trump campaign. And it's like these, they ruin these people's lives. And I know you were a big, strong um, advocate for what, you know, what Manafort had to go through, and as well as Michael Flynn. And you know, I, know, I know you've given some talking points on those situations, but what's your thoughts on all that? I mean, again, it's just it, – it's like there's people who – there was a, there was a lot of collateral damage right from the Russia probe, and it's unfortunate right. because the whole thing seemed like it was premised on nothing, right? There, there was there was never a case to be made, despite two and a half years of the media really hyping it up. At the end of the day, there was no Russia collusion. There never was, and most of us who watched it from the beginning, we knew that. We looked at it and like this, 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 it's ridiculous. And yet, a lot of good people, unfortunately, were sort of collateral damage. And when prosecutors, and I'm a former prosecutor, so I have to take the hit on, on, on what a lot of us do, when we roll through with the tremendous might of the government behind us and we don't find what we're looking for, there's definitely a strong tendency to say, you know what, I'm going to find something. I can't be empty-handed here. So even though I didn't find collusion, I'm going to dig into all these other areas and sort of catch up all these people in this unrelated stuff so I can at least claim some kind of victory. And I think what a lot of us are really frustrated with is when we look at the Mueller probe, which for over two years promised us that there was something they were going to find something and the media kept saying they were going to find something only to find out there was nothing there other than a lot of unrelated process crimes yeah yeah no absolutely absolutely and you know it it, it really um it really puts a, a, a it's a bad look for our country because you know it, they simply tried to take down this president and anybody around him because they felt threatened by him. You know, they finally had somebody that was not involved with the swamp, couldn't be controlled, had, you know, all his all his own money being funded for his campaign. Nobody owned nobody owned him and that drives them absolutely crazy, especially with what he's exposing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think that's right. Along. I think there's a there's a lot of people that were very threatened, people on both sides of the aisle, frankly, people that were, that were accustomed to power. And I think when, when, when yeah. President Trump was elected, and most of us were surprised, I and mean, we were really surprised when it happened, he threatened a lot of the power structure here in Washington. And, and people on both sides were very threatened because the normal go-to people, the normal uh, politicians, the lobbyists, the bureaucrats that, that sort of – staff these positions from top to bottom, all of a sudden, we're all kind of thrown out on both sides because Donald Trump was going to do it his way. Right. Absolutely. And, and I know you work strongly in national security. What, what's some of the biggest national security threats that you, 
you know, witnessed or, or what you think we're, we're facing just from your expertise and what you've been, you know, kind of affiliated with? I mean, right now I'd say it's a cyber threat. I mean, it, it is unfortunately so easy for our enemies to, to reach out through the Internet and disrupt our lives, whether it's to attack the financial markets, to attack critical infrastructure like electricity grids, um, to, to kind of you know, impact the news cycle with false information. Uh, there is so much, and unfortunately, many of our most serious adversaries that could never touch us on the battlefield, the traditional battlefield, have some unfortunately very high-tech abilities to hurt us on the cyber battlefield. So I'm thinking Iran, North Korea, China, Russia, states that do not want the United States to succeed. And so they're putting resources into, uh, into cyber attacks. And these are not just attacks meant to steal our money. It's meant to disrupt our lives. And so I think if – and, and it's something, thankfully, though, that everyone can help defend against – Little things that all of us can do to protect our cyber identities, our hardware, our software, to work with companies that we know are secure, um, because that is definitely the next terrain in terms of uh, in terms of terrorism. It's cyber terrorism, and so that I think is the number one threat we're facing right now. And unfortunately, the bad guys are out there, and they're very determined. Absolutely, absolutely. Very, very well said. And how, how do you view the situation in the Middle East? What do you think's going to come out of it? You know, I talk about it all all the time on my show, but obviously, you know, everybody has their own kind of insight and you know their own their own viewpoint of what how they think that's all going to transpire. But you know, you being very heavily involved with national security and being with the FBI and being a prosecutor and you know just knowing a lot of the, these different things, what, how, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I think with the, the most recent incident with Soleimani and, and, and the killing of, of the general in Iraq, I mean, I think the president was 100 um, percent on legal and ethical grounds to take him out. And I think that it's interesting watching politicians here in Washington who were so happy when we took out Osama bin Laden and other individuals and now sort of stroking their chins and grinding their gears in terms of Donald Trump's really well-earned victory here. I mean, this was an individual who had blood on his hands, and he had been involved for years, supported by the Iranian government, which also has the blood of Americans on its hands in terms of attacks you know, in Iraq, in other parts of the Middle East, attacks on Israel. So Donald Trump, you know, he, he handled it well. It did not escalate, thank, thankfully. It seems to have now subsided, and we bagged a major bad guy here. So I think that in terms of this president, he projected that the United States will not be subjected to terror. We will not just sort of sit on our hands when our people are attacked in Iraq or elsewhere. And so I think it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a victory. It's a big victory, and it's a well-earned one. And I think as we go into this election cycle, I think Donald Trump will, will kind of stand out against a lot of his opponents as, as someone who is committed not to having us in endless wars, but at the same time will also not be pushed around. And I think that's a very, very important posture that we want for our country. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and what, what do you make – You know, obviously the other big headline this week is the whole impeachment thing. What do you make of this? Such nonsense. What a circus, right? I mean, you've been around yeah, a long I time. Mean, I'm sure you've probably never seen anything like it. it, it it's it was almost hard to uh, describe how unserious 
the impeachment process was, and then Speaker Pelosi kind of outdid herself by sitting on it for the last three weeks. So it was almost to emphasize how sort of pointless the whole thing was, right? They rushed to it. It was a terrible job based on a very, very questionable case. Then they rushed it to get it done by the end of the year, and then they sat on it. So it almost kind of screams how silly the process was. So it sounds like what's being reported is now finally it will be transmitted, and hopefully the grown-ups in the Senate can now take this and handle it the way it should be handled. But yeah, it's been a really, really unfortunate chapter. And I think, you know, the, look, the Democrats, I'm gonna, I'll be a little one-sided here because they started this process and they kind of own it. But I mean, the fact that they've been yelling for impeachment for various different things since the day Donald Trump was elected, it really means they have very little credibility now. So they've been screaming impeachment for so long now that they actually have a case that they've built, it's hard to take them seriously because they've been saying this no matter what. So I think it was really, really tenuous. I think they should have months ago realized there was no support for this among the greater public, no support on the other side of the aisle. And they probably should have taken the hint. But what did they do? They charged ahead nonetheless. And unfortunately, they weaken America when they do this because it shows that we are fragmented. And if we believe that Russia really did attack us in the 2016 election, then we're giving Russia what they wanted, right? I mean, we're exactly becoming the fragmented country that we think so many of our enemies strive for. So it's an unfortunate chapter, hopefully one we can put behind us soon. Very, very well said. Thank, thank you so much, Joseph, for coming on. Uh, I could talk to you all day. Um, I definitely want to get you back on the program again soon. Uh, but tell everybody where they can connect with you, uh, all your upcoming projects, all the stuff you're working on, all that fun stuff. Sure, Rory. Thanks. Well, like as you pointed out, I, I'm frequently on different networks. Uh, I really enjoy being part of the public dialogue. My website and my Twitter handle are Joseph Moreno, J O S E P H. M-O-R-E-N-O. I write monthly for The Hill, and I really try to stay involved. So reach out to me. Connect with me. I love feedback, good or bad. Um, and, you know, I love being part of the debate. And Rory, again, thanks so much for having me on tonight. Thank, thank you for coming on, and uh, we'll definitely talk soon. Thank you. Sounds great. Good night, sir. All righty. Um, I, I think he's with us. I want to make sure. I believe we have with us now, we have real estate mogul, Nick Trevelyan. Am I saying it right? Rory, what's up, my dude? How are you? Good, man. How are you? Welcome to the show. Did I say your last name right? Trevelyan? Yeah, dude. Uh, Trevelyan. Yeah, you got it, man. Dude, like, how the hell do you follow the FBI guy, bro? Jesus Christ, I learned a lot just now. Man, that was educational. <laughs> dude, I'm so glad to have you here. Uh, you've done amazing things in your life. You've been very successful. Uh, I follow a lot of your work. Uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. I like to always get like a bio when guests first come on the show. Oh, man, I'm blushing. I appreciate that. Uh, real quick about me because I'm really here for you guys. And, dude, just to, I'm honored to be here on the show. I've been in real estate for 15 years, man. Sold half a billion dollars of real estate. One of the top realtors in the state of Arizona. Owned a real estate brokerage there. So I got to really experience a lot of um, that. And it's been beautiful to be an entrepreneur early in my age. I opened my first brokerage when I was 21 years old. So it was really fun to get to cut my teeth on that. And now uh, with that 15 years of experience, I coach and consult entrepreneurs, real estate agents, and businesses on how to scale up their businesses. It's a blast, man. And that kind of branched me out into more inspirational speaking 
and uh, helping people transform and break through, which is my passion, my heart and soul right now is helping people in certain areas of their life that they just really want more in. We all at some point in time, and even your listeners right now, there's something you want more in, whether that's your career, your business, your income, your health and your fitness, your relationships. You want to travel more, save more, do more, and be more. And, dude, that's, you follow my stuff on Instagram and Facebook. And that's all I'm about, man. That's what my podcast is about. And I just want to help and serve. And that's why you got me here at 730 at night, man. I'm just pumped to chat with you and, and serve your listeners and community. Dude, I love it. I love it. You're very inspirational, and, you, and you've led quite the journey. You know, you, you've definitely worked your ass off, and you've overcome many, many amazing things. And, yeah, I, I, love, the, I love the positivity. I love how you're always trying to get other people in the spirit. You're, you're trying to get other people out there to, to pursue their dreams and, and do, you know, you know, you make it, you really make these, edu, you know, these inspirational and educational, you know, videos where, you, 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 like you said, you're, you're, you're teaching people how to do the business now because, you know, what's amazing about all these different industries at this point in time, real estate, tech, sales, we, we've come to this part of, of our society where there's so much money in teaching and actually being a speaker and motivating. And I see people like Grant Cardone, people like all these big names. I mean, off branding, this whole branding trend is becoming a huge, huge business. You know, sometimes people are making more with their, with their motivational and teaching others than they're actually buying real estate. And they're still making a ton buying real estate. I mean, it's amazing what, what these educational and, and sales training uh, situations and, and as well as other industries have, have evolved into what it, what it's transpired into. There's like, it's so amazing. There's so much ways to make money and become successful rather than 20 years ago. You know what I mean? No, I, now you're talking dirty to me, man. I love that stuff. I mean, if you really look at where we're at is you can do anything in, in, in our, in our beautiful country, man, really think about where we're at. You can start a business tomorrow, a side hustle on top of your current career or take your current business, whatever that is. And you literally, by working your ass off and some blood, sweat, and tears, in 60, 90 days, you can completely change your lot in life. Like, really think about that. And to me, that gets me out of bed every single morning with uh, freaking passion and burning desire to share that message. And the thing a lot of people have inside of them, people are like, Nick, you changed my life and you helped me. No, I didn't. I didn't do shit. What I did was is I gave you permission. Because you already had that lion inside of you or that lioness. You already had the greatness living inside of you. You, for your, at some point in your life, you knew that you wanted to do more and be more. All you needed from me was something that said, hey, man, you can do it, or a video or an inspirational quote or podcast. All I simply did was give you permission to go chase your dreams. Because a lot of times, I mean, really think about it. You have a lot of entrepreneurs, too, and you are yourself. When somebody goes and starts a business. Every hater on planet Earth comes out and goes, no, 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 be careful. Remember when you tried that last business or, you know, you got to take the safe route and we get a lot of hate. And I mean, trust me, dude, even to this day, bro, 15 years in this business, I sold 2,500 houses, $500 million of real estate. I still get it. Well, be careful. We'll watch out. So all I simply try to do is let people really look inside and know that they have that potential already lying in there. And yes, you have to back it up with, with push-ups, right? You got to go do the cardio. You got to go run. And I, like, that's one thing I'm really big on is a lot of people see an inspirational quote, a hashtag, a video, and they get all pumped up for 30 seconds, right? But what happens tomorrow? You have to, I always say you can't outsource your pushups. And so no matter what you want to do, everything good in life comes when you work your ass off, if that makes sense. Absolutely. 100%. And, you know, it's a lot of people are under this mindset and, and I, 
I understand that there's scammers out there that try to sell people certain things, but what that creates is the generalization that everybody that comes across on the internet or everybody that's trying to teach somebody something is, is they're just they're just trying to give them something that isn't legitimate because that's that's in a lot of ways a lot of people don't take these courses because they think they're all like the rest of them where there are people are just trying to waste your time and money, which it, it, it could, sure. it's so far from the truth. I know so many great programs. Agreed. I know so many great entities that offer amazing ways to teach people how to gain on wealth. So it's, it's, you know, this whole jaded mindset with all, with different people and, you know, that they think they can't do it or they think it's too good to be true. You know, they're misguided and they're, they're ill-informed, but I, I agree to this, you know, with the point that there are scammers out there, but that's not that's not how sure. the, the entirety of the business is, you know. Well, dude, the whole joke is those that can't do teach, right? But here's here's my take: is what about those that actually can do, have done, and are continuing to do? What if they taught? I mean, really yeah. look at it this way: right? If you were to walk into a gym that you know the New Year's bell rang as you're toasting champagne, I'm assuming. 99.9% of your listeners, myself included, had New Year's goals to get in better shape and look sexy for summer. I get it. I'm all for that, right? We always have those health goals. But if you were to walk into the local gym and they present you with yeah. your new personal trainer who's going to transform your body and your trainer is 100 pounds overweight, eating a donut, telling you how you should in theory do this <laughs> workout, no. You got it. Like one of my favorite sayings is you got to be a product of your own product, right? So sure, do I yeah. want to take fitness advice from somebody that's in shape? Yes, because if his freaking meal plan worked, he'd be taking it himself and believed in it, right? Like, I coach real estate agents. Bro, you know how easy it is for me to look an agent in the face and go, yeah, 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 dude, I sold 2,500 houses, uh, half a billion dollars of real estate, wrote a book on it. Yeah, yeah, then just follow my plan, right? Or you have guys that teach how to, you know, build wealth through investing, whether that's Airbnb stuff right now or whether that's fixing and flipping homes or getting into rental real estate or I don't know what that is for that matter, right? No matter what it is, just right. ask the guy. Or gal, hey, have you done this before? Or better yet, are you currently doing this for yourself, man? So yeah, I totally get what you're right. saying. No, it's so true. I mean, and and here here's the whole, you know, this is this is what the the entire part about it is. I mean, it, it just goes in reality in business. People have to take risks. People have to get out of their comfort zone. People have to, you know, get on that roller coaster because that's the only way. They're going to move ahead, and the only people that are telling people not to do certain things, or 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 you know, take these courses, or or saying or generalizing and being jaded that saying all these people are out there to rip them off, are the people that are broke and not going anywhere in life and want to keep everybody else down with them. Don't you agree? Oh, dude, of course. Jim Rohn said it best. You're either gonna, it's either you're gonna give up the pain of discipline or the pain of regret, right? And on, uh, like what he says though is discipline literally weighs ounces but regret weighs tons. And I know this, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, I call it the rocking chair test. When you're 80, you're 80 years old, rocking on your rocking chair, looking back on your life, what do you wish you would have done, right? If you could go back and talk to yourself then, what do you have to lose, right? You have to take a risk, back, back that up with hard work, and you have to do something different. It, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result, right? And so you have to do something different if you want to change whatever area that is. And everything great comes with work, man. You're not going to go launch a side business or launch a new business without working your face off. I wish right now I could take a pill and have a six-pack. I really, really do. But you and I both know you're going to have to spend hours in the gym. But when you get to the end of that, it's well-earned and well-deserved, right? And that's really what I teach, man. I love it. 
Well, I love I love it too, Nick, and I love everything you're doing. And what I talk about on my show Appreciate all the time, it, yeah, absolutely. And what I talk about on my show all the time is how, you know, the le- the left and in certain parts of our culture has kind of, you know, pushed this narrative and brainwashed people with saying everybody's equal, everybody deserves a trophy, everybody gets a part of somebody else's wealth, and totally, you know, dismisses. The, the point of hard work, the American dream, and, 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 you know, this whole socialism mentality, it's really bad for, for our future, for, for, for the youth, and uh, what, what this country was founded upon. You know what I mean? And, and here's, what, here, here's what it's doing is it's making – it's an epidemic. It really is, and, and I, I, wish, <laughs> I wish certain people weren't, and, and I hate the fact that you know, anybody would try to say to anyone that, you know, they don't have to work hard to get what everybody else has. I mean, it's just, it's sending the worst message on earth. Well, I think it starts even farther than that though. I mean, we're giving out participation trophies for just showing up, you know, you got to go back, you got to go back to entitlement, right? Yeah. You got to go back to discipline. You got to go back to habits, to rituals, to things like that, that are going to put you in a better position in life, right? If you want to change your financial situation, then learn to save money, read a book and, and, and change that. But you're going to have to want to change that. Right. And no, I agree with you. They all can't be equal, man. There's that, like, how is that fair to the guys actually in the trenches with calluses on their hands right now? You know, to, to work your ass off yeah. like that and know like, Hey, we're just going to take part of that just because you can oh, screw that dude. Uh, I love it. Like, I love your energy and passion, man. I listened to the first part of the show and got a chance to listen to a few, a few years. I love how proud you are and outspoken, man. You don't hold punches, and I love that. And you come with some energy, man. You believe in it. And that's freaking right, man. You know, especially from some of the ones that are out there, you know, chasing their dreams and really trying to provide more for their family. Good on them, man. Go work your ass off, and you earned it. Right, right. And, and, I, and, I, keep, and I talk about this on my show as well all the time, the fact that you have all these people – mostly on the left, trying to say billionaires are the problem, corporations are the problem. You know, uh, the, you know, and I and I say, it, these people want to take what isn't theirs, and you know, how is that fair? These whether or not, I mean, I get some billionaires are greedy. I mean, obviously, I get that, but they worked hard to get that money and build their business. And they stimulate the economy and hire millions of people. If we didn't have billionaires and corporations, we wouldn't be what we are right now. You know what I mean? Preach it, my brother. Preach it. But more than that, I'm really about, you know, for those, don't get me wrong. I think a lot of those billionaires and corporations and people might have been given a, a, a God-gifted ability to shine and, and learn things. You know, they, they've put themselves in different situations or had that ability. But if you look at a lot of those larger corporations and a lot of very successful individuals, a lot of those guys, their missions are to give back to this world and really unwind that. Like, right. look at what a lot right. of big corporations and, and billionaires have and done. And a lot of times if it you gets take, overlooked. Right. Well, because we don't want to talk about that, right? But if you were like, hey, this guy, yes, he's worth a billion, but guess what? He just gave $100 million to this cause. Or he's really trying to help out our veterans in the, in the country or help out our school system or help get our teachers more pay. All this stuff that actually will get us more progress. We don't want to talk about that, right? Because we want to find some other excuse why he's an evil human being. It's funny. There's so much fake news out there, dude. I can show you a bunch of amazing stories of amazing people doing great things. The thing that comes to mind for me, because I know this is your show, is Trump overfeeding the troops on Thanksgiving. 
You know that that wasn't fucking talked about. Excuse me. Ooh, I don't know if I just was allowed to say that or not. But no, you're you know fine. You're fine. Don't worry. You're fine. Sorry, brother. I'm trying to pull my punches here. F bombs come out of my mouth. Um, but no, Trump you're fine. Our troops on you know, on Thanksgiving, it, nobody's mentioning that. That's not on the news. Right. Right. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And, and this is what they do. This is, and I always talk about on my show, the main 97% of the media is controlled by the mainstream. It's not giving us honest. We get about 3% of honesty from the media. It's ridiculous. Well, I mean, look at how much time, energy, and resources. I don't know. You are way over my pay grade on this. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars with this impeachment process, right? You're talking yeah, hundreds yeah. of thousands of, money, of hours of, of airtime. Like every news media outlet, every conversation is about this. We are literally running in two different directions. What if we took a stand and said, hey, all these billions of dollars we're, we're spending to slam him or impeach him or whatever, what if we actually took that for good and talked about some really things that matter, helping out our veterans? talking about climate change and global warming, talking about helping a better education in our school systems. What if we talked about that? What if everybody spent that much time and energy on things that will actually help all of us versus somebody else's stupid-ass agenda? Come on, man. If you really think about that, like I, I've heard some of your show. I got kind of pumped up listening, man. I was like, dude, preach it, my brother, because hear me out on that. You will spend more time mad at the guy than you will about the veterans that need our help right now. Really think about that at a core level. You'll spend a billion dollars on your new ad smear campaign. That billion dollars could literally help all of our veterans. That could change school systems. That could build roads, build shelters, you name it, right? Let's just go down the list. Yet we're all literally running in opposite directions. If you brought that much attention to a cause and a media outlet talked about that 24-7 like they're this stupid ghost chase or whatever the hell they're doing, dude, we would literally change the world. We would together change the world. That's my, that's my silly little view on the world, but, I mean, it's true, though, man. We're talking about pointless stuff that's not going to move the needle. We're running opposite directions. Right, right, very true, and you're, you absolutely make a great point. You know, anything good Trump does, they try to minimize it, and they try to make it look as, as bad as possible. They, they don't want to give him a victory for anything, and we're seeing the best economy numbers ever, lowest black unemployment, lowest female unemployment, lowest Hispanic unemployment, lowest Asian unemployment, highest stock market ever, uh, companies opening here for the first time, real estate better than ever. I, I invest in real estate. I love real estate. I've been doing it a while. Uh, we've never seen these sort of numbers, and you would know that better than ever because you've been in the business a long time, and uh, I'm sure you think it's beyond incredible what, what's going on right now with the market. We're bringing jobs back to America. That's all that matters. The economy's good, and when the economy's good and there's more jobs, guess what? That creates more jobs and a better economy, and people with money buy homes and go to the local Home Depot, and they employ people there, and they buy stuff there, and then they buy furniture, and then they buy cars, and that all of that supports a beautiful economy. But we're literally taking the guy and tying one arm behind his back. Like, if you really – like, poor dude – you you got to deal with – you're just fending off people. Just shut up. He already won. Like, he, he won. Just let the guy do his job, man. He's doing a great freaking job. Everybody just stay out of the way. And, like, let's keep things going, man, because the economy's beautiful. Market's up. Interest rates are low. You know, it's a good time, man. And more than anything, though, you said it best. You're employing American people. You brought jobs in. As simple as that is, I don't get into politics, brother. That's way over my pay grade. But I know that simply is you employ the guy that was out of work. That helps out our world. That's all that matters. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very well said, Nick. And Nick, 
I, dude, I could talk to you all day. I love having you on the program. I want to get you back on very soon. These are some great topics yeah. we went over. Uh, tell everybody where they can connect with you, where they can get involved, all that good stuff. Oh, brother, I appreciate that, man. Uh, I'm simple, guys. My name Nicholas Trevilian on Facebook and Instagram. Instagram is where a lot of my inspirational stuff is. My podcast is The Triumphant Life on iTunes, on Spotify, or my Instagram is at The Triumphant Life because I believe you have greatness inside of you and you can triumph over anything that happens to you, right? We're all going to be throwing adversity and curveballs, and you, it's the art of triumphing over the over those and uh, chasing your dreams, man. So appreciate you having me on, brother. This has been a ball. I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Dude, can I just ask one favor of you, though? Yeah. Dude, I want an autograph, bro. You yeah. fancy, man. You're all famous, bro. <laughs> like, I literally want an autograph from Rory. Dude, you're killing the game, man. I love it, bro. Thank you, buddy. I really appreciate it. We're doing good. We're listening. I mean, the show just keeps getting more popular. we got a lot of plans for the future. Uh, definitely, I'd love to get you more involved, too. You'd be, you'd be great on the panel. Homie, I'm a big fan of yours, brother. Keep changing the world out there, sharing your voice, man. And uh, you need anything, let me know. All right, bro? All right, let's talk soon. God bless you, man. We'll, we'll see you. Bye. All righty. Um, let's go to – I want to introduce – I believe he's with us. We have popular talk show host. Dave Weinbaum with us. Dave, how are you? I'm good. My wife just nudged me to uh, say I'm on. How are you, Rory? Dave, really good, man. It's great to have you here. Big fan of yours. Uh, first time on the show. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Well, originally from uh, Chicago, uh, I uh, went to school at the University of Denver. Um, I uh, moved to St. Louis, got into McDonald's business. And uh, at a pretty young age, they offered me a store in uh, Rolla, Missouri. So I've been there ever since. Uh, my relatives think I'm in the uh, witness protection program. And what are you doing? My wife is taking pictures of this. Stop it. Okay, sorry. Um, <laughs> hello. And uh, so um been in the business for about, uh, again, about It'll be 50 years in uh, February of 20. So, and I still do it. I love it. And uh, I just decided at a certain point in my life, uh, it was after my father died. I was 45 years old. I'm 71 now. Uh, he said to me, you know, I've, I could have done so much more in my life. And I said, well, you did great. You did, you know, fantastic. But I knew in the back of my mind that uh, he really could have done a lot more. He was a very smart guy, even though he didn't graduate from high school. And I decided uh, at that point that I was going to start doing other things just besides business to see whether or not I could do it. And so I started writing uh, little quotes and jokes. I got into 16 uh, Reader's Digests, and I've got about 47,000 original quotes and jokes. It's a lot of which I use on my show as well. And uh, I, uh, speaking of the show, I before that I did stand-up comedy in my mid-50s uh, just to see whether or not I could do it. And then uh, at age 60, I went in and said, uh, I'd like to try a radio show. And so the guy gave me a half an hour, and I interviewed my next-door neighbor, my, a dentist friend, and, and I wasn't very good apparently. I went in and I said, so what do you think? He says, if you do that, if you do that kind of show one more time, you won't have a show. 
So I decided, well, I love, I've, I've always been a news nut. I uh, was writing for uh, the Jewish World Review and several, several other uh, online. So uh, I decided uh, to see what I could do with the radio thing, and it's worked out. I'm in my 12th year. Uh, like you, you've, dis- you've discovered some talent there. Yeah, you know, it kind of, it's amazing how it works, you know, because the plan for me, you know, I I do a lot of different real estate stuff, venture capital, and I also own an app development company. We build apps for businesses and individuals. And, you know, the radio thing just kind of came by surprise. One day I picked up the mic and it became part of my livelihood. It became part of my routine and uh, I kept utilizing my voice and, and, and capitalizing on this platform. And here I am, 233 episodes later listened to in 25 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. Uh, you know, I, I never thought it'd, it'd be at this point, but, you know, here we are. It's quite something. Well, it's a great, it's a great accomplishment. And, uh, you know, if, if you really like it, it's, you're doing, you're having fun doing it. Uh, and I, I know I'm, I do, I work very hard on the show, uh, but I'm, I'm having a good time doing it. And I think, you know, I like to think I make a difference. I do a political talk show basically. And I try to be a little funny here and there. And, uh, you know, like you, I'm heard in a bunch of different countries and uh, all 50 states, 57 states, if you're Barack Obama. Um, So and I I just like what I'm doing. I got great people that come on the show uh, and uh, they're a lot of fun. I got uh, Cheryl Chumley, the online editor of the Washington Times. I've got uh, a good friend of mine, Rabbi Moshe Rothschild. He calls once a week from Ephrat, Israel, and he's very good about Middle East news. He seems to he seems to have stuff that nobody else has, like the the moving of the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Uh, I had that on my show uh, like a month before it came out in the news, and uh, you know the the West Bank, the annexation of the West Bank, uh, that's going to happen very soon. So uh, I enjoy that, and uh, I like the people I have on my show. Uh, and uh, my my audience seems to be getting bigger and bigger, so I'm very happy about that. And, you know, that's a that's a fun thing when that happens. Right, Rory? Absolutely. It's, it's a great feeling. It really is a, a wonderful, you know, gift. And I, and I love hearing all the, the feedback from my audience and everything. And, you know, it, it truly is a privilege. And, you know, what do you ma- what do you make of this whole, you know, Iran nonsense? I'm sure you've been talking about that on your show quite a bit. You know, I want to I want to oh, ask yeah. you about a lot of the current stuff going on. Oh. I know you have a, a lot of strong and insightful opinions about it. Well, look, uh, we've uh, ever since the Ayatollahs came in in uh, 1979, uh, we've been a, we've been appeasing them. Uh, Jimmy Carter uh, on, except for a brief period of time from Ronald Reagan. They must have thought Ronald Reagan, when he got elected, was going to attack because they released the hostages. Uh, as you recall, they, they overtook the embassy in Tehran. So uh, what, what did we do then? Did we stay tough and vigilant on them? No. We faded back with Republican and with Democratic um presidents and uh, decided to appease them right through uh, Barack Obama and Joe Biden. 
And obviously, if you're if you're going to appease a bully, well, they they live on that. That's what they that's who they attack is people that uh, appease them and beg them and cower to them and give them a lot of money and things like that. Donald Trump, uh, God bless America, with him in there because you know he's a nice guy. He wants to do business. He wants to make a deal. He wants to uh, improve relationships. And uh, he's serious about what he's talking about. Now, is he overbearingly serious? No. Iran got got away with a lot of stuff even after he warned them. Finally, he had enough. They crossed the line. They killed an American. And uh, he took care of this guy. And I'm calling this the five-second war. That war was over in five seconds. Okay, as soon as that, as soon as that um, that general Soleimani died, that war was over, and it was so apparent that the Iranians were just going through the motions when uh, they they uh, threw all those bombs out there, and then actually accidentally. Uh, Blew a uh, blew an airplane out of the sky, which now the Democrats obviously blame Trump for. Now uh, that's that's what I see out of Iran, and uh, I think I got the right perspective from talking to my rabbi buddy too. Listen, if uh, Donald Trump ran for president of Israel, I think he'd win. Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree one hundred percent. And you know, you've been in radio all these years, and you know, you talk about politics, everything. From under the sun, every headline. What do you make of this whole impeachment nonsense? Well, it's an it's it's an interesting thing. We've had a coup going on in this country from before Donald Trump was elected, while he was still a candidate. Which which goes back to the ID report, which only uh, comes <clears throat> talks about from from uh, July sixteenth. 2016, a couple of months before the election, uh, until the present. Well, this stuff was going on before that. When Donald Trump declared as a candidate, there was there was uh, I don't know how soon it happened, but soon thereafter there started to be a concern that he could win. And the Obama administration, we don't know, is responsible for early surveilling of Trump campaign people like Carter Page and uh, George Papadopoulos. So we know that somehow, uh, and this has never happened before to our knowledge, that that they were, and and when Trump was saying, I think I'm being uh, wired, and everybody was telling him what a kook he was, well, he was dead on. And uh, so what you've got basically is the last administration was going after a an election in such a way that if if uh, he got elected, if Trump got elected, not Hillary, well now they got to cover it up. And to cover it up, they've been trying to impeach him ever since, and they impeached him. It's not going to go anywhere, but I believe that it's a huge, huge cover up. Forget the waste of money. This is a waste of American principles and American constitutional powers. 
Absolutely. No, I 100% agree with you. Very well said. Great insight. Spot on. Um, I want to get you on again very soon, Dave. I, I am out of time. I do got to wrap up the show, but tell everybody where they can connect with you, where they can listen to your show, all that good stuff. You can go to DaveWeinbaum.net. Uh, my uh, Twitter tag is at the Dave Weinbaum. And uh, you can go to Dave Weinbaum Facebook page. Uh, appreciate being on the show, Rory. Thank you very much. Absolutely, my friend. We'll definitely talk soon. I really appreciate all your great points and insights. Awesome being with you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. All righty. All right, let's go to Mike Peters in New York. Mike Peters, go ahead. Yeah, I'd like to thank you again for having me on tonight. It was a great, great, great show. And I was very interested in um, what you did covering the uh, the real estate, the gentleman that's uh, a well-known real estate agent, and talking about uh, improvement and working towards your goals and everything. And one thing I wanted to add on that. And I always went into it. I mean, we're my wife and I own our own business. We're government contractors, and I always thought, like like you said, if you work hard and you really put your heart into it, you can succeed at anything. It depends on what field you're in. I'm going to put that out there because we had no idea that government contracting was controlled by the left, by the Democrats here in New York State, and it's corrupt. And no matter how Good. How hard you work. You could do the best job. Po- if you're not part of the good old boy click, the team, you're not going to survive. And this has been nothing but uphill since 9-11. So it's not that easy. Even with all the blood, sweat and everything, you'll sit back and say, what did I do? I worked hard for what? So in, in the real world, yes, you work hard, you put that sweat in and you're going to succeed. You have a good product. But when politics get involved in it, watch out. So I just wanted to add that one thing. And thanks again, Rory. Thanks for having me on. Glad to be here. Absolutely, my friend. Always a pleasure, Mike Peters. Thank you. Very well said. Nice. Uh, let's let's go to uh, U.S. congressional candidate in Maryland, Tim Tim Faisenbaker. Tim, give you the closing thoughts. Go ahead. Hey, great show as usual. You had some awesome guests. And I, like I said, this is the year of the American. We are waking up around the world. People are seeing the freedom, and and Donald Trump is is leading us in that direction. So, everybody, get on board. Um, you can find me at timfazenbaker.com on Facebook. I am at Fazenbaker for Congress and America One Tim Faze on Twitter. We are one of the 19 seats that will flip this house. Uh, great show, and as always, American Kids First. Thank you very much, Rory. Absolutely, Tim. Always a pleasure. We'll talk to you the next time. Thank you, sir. God bless. Thank you. Everybody, it's been a fantastic show tonight. I want to thank all my audience, my guests, my co-hosts and sponsors. Uh, we have a lot to look forward to on the next episode, a lot more in the future planned for the Rory Sodder Show. Hope you all have an amazing night. I will see you Thursday. I'm Rory Sodder, mega, mega, mega. God bless everybody. Much love. Cheers.